Welcome back to our podcast, Cheeky Vibe, Peaceful Life. I'm your host, Lauren Mazadonsky, and today I am excited. We have a special guest with us, Bella Serpilla. Hi, Bella. Hi, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me on today. Thank you for joining us. And I first want to share, Bella is a public speaker. She's the marketing director and buyer for the store, Laura Pembroke. So we're going to take it back to what Bella actually went to school for. So tell us what you went to school for and kind of why you were choosing that path. Right. So I went to High Point University. It is a small school in North Carolina. And I was a biology major and a business administration minor. And I chose that degree or that um, major because I wanted to be a dentist. And I decided that when I was a senior in high school. And, you know, I was shadowing the women dentists in my town and I was really inspired by them. And I thought it would be a great job as a mother, a great job where I could provide financially for myself. And, you know, I was a little, I was insecure about my intelligence and I wanted a job that I thought would validate that I'm smart. And so, which I didn't tell anyone that at the time, but I chose dentistry because I also wanted to help people and I went on dental mission trips and I fell in love with it. So I did go to school for biology, but now I'm in marketing and I do public speaking. So there was a little bit of a um, change in career paths, but I wouldn't change any of it. So, so when did you notice you wanted to make this pivot? So I was actually in dental school when I decided to change paths. And so I studied for four years at High Point studying biology, and I loved my courses. I said organic chemistry was my favorite. I thought taking the exams were fun. And I ended up going to the Ohio State University's College of Dentistry, and I entered in the fall of 2020. And I always had self-doubts, like, is this the right career path for me? I had this inner voice inside my head. And, but I would say to myself, well, you know, it's too late now. You already have this degree in biology, like you have to keep going. And I think, you know, I say I'm recovering perfectionist because I'm really trying to correct my perfectionism tendencies. But I really thought that it was what I was supposed to do because I said I was going to do it. And when I make a goal, I wanted to stick with it. And so I was at the end of my first semester of dental school, I had to leave due to a medical issue. And in that time away from school is a lot of problems unraveled and just a lot of things in my life that I realized I needed to work on. And so instead of returning to dental school, I, at that point, I was like, I still want to be a dentist. And so I reserved my spot for the fall of 2021, but I thought a lot of people run away from their problems and a lot of mine just unfolded. And so I took the second semester to work on myself and I was in therapy. And through that therapy is when I learned that I was in the wrong career and I chose it for the wrong reasons. Take us back a little bit from when you said that even when you were younger, that you had this negative self-talk that you would notice. Take us back to that. Right. So I was the kid who 
always needed to get perfect grades. I was always very stressed in school. I love school and I love learning, but I thought getting straight A's was necessary. And I would, from a young age, would talk poorly to myself, whether it was, you know, when I was at school actually taking exams and I would cry to my teachers and being like, I'm just, I don't get it. I'm stupid. Like, I don't, I don't understand this. And I, from a very young age, I just don't think I was very kind to myself and I, the words I was choosing to speak to myself. And so, and I was very insecure about my intelligence and that goes back to, you know, I struggled with reading and writing and I had to get extra help in school. And so I always felt like I had to work extra harder, had to work extra hard than other students because um, I was a slower learner. And so through that time, I think I just wasn't very nice to myself. And I think my dad is the one who helped me become more self-aware of how I'm speaking to myself. And many times throughout my childhood, young adult life, he would say to me after I would say something, I would say, you know, I just don't think I'm enough or some, some negative talk. I would say, my dad would say, you know, I would never speak to my daughter the way that you were, or I would never allow someone to speak to my daughter the way that you're speaking to yourself. And that really like resonated with me. He was like, why would you let, or I know you wouldn't let someone else treat you or talk to you the way that you talk to yourself. And so he would say, if you continue to say those negative words, I'm stupid, I'm ugly, I'm not good enough. He's like, you're going to believe them and you're going to speak them into existence. And so he was the one who really helped me become aware of the way I talk about, talk about myself. And in school, I would call him crying the night before an exam. And he'd always tell me, you know, you need to take the emotion out of it and you need to look at the facts. Like, have you studied for this exam? And I'd be like, yes. And he said, have you covered all the material? I'm like, yes. And he's like, so why do you, do you put this pressure and stress on yourself? And so I just always from a young age felt like the need to be perfect and get a hundred percent and everything I do. And so I think it just stems from, you know, being a little kid wanting everything perfect in a certain way. I have OCD and just a lot of different things. So, um, yeah, being a perfectionist was definitely, I had some struggles with it growing up and, you know, I still struggle to this day, but I'm trying to be more aware of how I speak to myself. So what do you think made you always feel the need to be perfect? I don't know. I think I, you know, I come from a family of successful business, um, women and men and successful entrepreneurs and it's just, I came from a very high achieving family and I think no one, I never felt pressure from my family. Like with grades, my parents never put pressure on me. They, my dad would even joke in high school. He would say, can you please stop doing homework? Like we have TV to watch, like that we can watch as a family, like dancing with the stars or something that we would bond over. And so I always put it on myself and I I don't really know. I think it was just like ingrained in who I was because I was, as a child, my mom would hear me say things that she thought were a little strange, but my dad and I are very alike and we're very like type A 
perfectionist people and my mom's more chill and calm. And my mom would say, Johnny, like a three-year-old shouldn't be saying this. And my dad would say, what do you mean? Like what she's saying makes complete sense. And so I think my dad realized he had some issues with perfectionism, with his anxiety, with raising me because I'm like his little mini me and we think the same, we act the same. And so um, he became aware of the things through my mom. She helped him and, you know, he's helped me. And yeah, I, I never felt pressure from anyone else. I just always put it on myself. So now, like, what do you feel helped you become like the most aware of it? And now what mm-hmm. are you putting into place so you can just be Bella? Right. You know, for a long time, I thought just being myself was not enough. And when I left dental school, I was in a place, it was a really dark place where I thought being me wasn't enough and that I always had to post the perfect picture. I had to get the perfect grades. I had to look a certain way. And through that time away from dental school, where I got to fully focus on myself, I learn to love myself and to just love Bella for who she is. And that took a lot of, I mean, it honestly took two years um, to really fully love myself. And now what I do to help myself is like, for example, I have these bracelets on my arm that we carry at Laura of Pembroke that I um, brought onto the store a couple months ago They're called the little word projects and they are bracelets that promote self-awareness, self-love, self-confidence. And, um, they're just constant reminders for me. And some of my favorite ones are stay grounded. And, you know, I struggle with anxiety and sometimes I just, you know, I need to breathe, which I also have that one. And, you know, I have faith, I have be happy, but one of my favorite ones is to be a light. And I think that that is something that I'm striving to be right now is to help others through my journey and to be a light when they feel like they are in this dark place. Because I was there two years ago and I felt alone. I felt like no one could relate to what I was going through. And that, yeah, it was honestly just, it was hard where I didn't think I was going to get any better. And I was in a deep, deep depression and getting out of bed was a hard thing to do in in the morning. So, you know, I've come a long way and through therapy, through positive self-talk, through self-affirmations, I've been able to, I think, become the person I feel like that God wants me to be. And, but I'm still growing and I'm still working on that to grow into, you know, my higher self and Yeah. So I think there's a lot of things that I do, but I think working on loving yourself and knowing that your self-worth is so important and never forgetting that is a big thing. So what does self-love mean to you? I think self-love is that, you know, that's a really good question. I think self-love to me is just getting, knowing that you can be yourself And that is just good enough. Mm -hmm. And because I think, you know, I've just been a very high achiever my whole life. And I would always say, you aren't, you're not good enough. And I felt that. 
And so now self-love is to me is that you are great. You're amazing. You're empowering just the way you are and to never lose sight of yourself and, you know, all of the pressures you feel in the world, everything is okay. And to trust in yourself too. Trust in your gut also. So, and is there a piece of your old story? Cause we all have these stories we, we tell ourselves and, and I can totally relate to the education piece that you talk about. So is there any mm-hmm. piece of your past story that maybe you once saw as a weakness that now you own it as your like authentic self as a strength? Is there anything you, that comes up for you? So I definitely think my vulnerability, I think in the past, I would always get very insecure and anxious. Like, oh my gosh, I just shared too much with that person. They probably think this of me, or what if they don't like this about me? I think I've, and I've always been that way where I feel like I'm comfortable sharing parts of myself, but now I feel more comfortable doing it because I don't care about the opinion opinions of others. All I want to do is to be able to if I'm able to help one person through what I'm talking about with you right now, that is like all I want. And so, you know, not caring about what others think about you, that is something that I thought was, um, you know, my main priority um, in my dental school journey, I thought I couldn't leave because someone would think, oh, maybe she's stupid and like flunked out or, they just thought I couldn't, I wasn't strong enough to get through it. Or there were just so many things that when I was leaving, I was like, what are people going to think of me? I'm going to let all of these people down. And I had to be like, but you have to do what's right for you and what others think it, it doesn't matter. And so that took a long time for me to realize, but I think my vulnerability, I really I'm grateful for that now because I'm able to share with others um, and hopefully impact them in some way. That's all I want. And I love connecting with people and, you know, finding similarities and through sharing my story so far, I've had so many people reach out that say I was struggling with this as well. And I didn't know you were going through that. Like, this really means a lot that you shared this, like, thank you. And a lot of it's honestly brought me to tears. I'm like, wow, I didn't, think my story at points, I'm like, I don't think my story is good enough. I had those negative thoughts again, that I had to remind myself, you're always enough. And it may not resonate with one person, but it could with the next. So I think my vulnerability is something that I saw as a weakness before, because I thought people would judge me. And now I just feel I'm in a judgment free zone. I just the judgment I'm just thrown out the door. I just, you know, don't care. <laughs> no, I love that. And I want our listeners to know too, Bella is 24. Like it is so amazing to see the awareness that you've created. And like you said, that you're letting go of that people pleasing, needing to show up perfect, being real, raw and vulnerable, because mm-hmm. honestly, that was what made me connect to you. And I'm like, I need to meet her. Cause our listeners don't know, but I know your brother. And I was mm-hmm. like, Bo, I need to meet your sister. <laughs> like seeing you talk about that and be so real. That's what people connect to. 
And mm-hmm. that's where we all need to be able to come together. I mean, I felt the same, just, you know, sharing your story. It's like, oh, well, you can only share those little pieces because the perfect pieces, because then someone will find you inspiring. No, someone finds you inspiring when you go through those hard times in life to let people know that they're not alone, that mm-hmm. you can have their back. And another thing you talked about earlier that I think there's a lot of power in, um, is when you mentioned going through your dental school and you're like, okay, I think, you know, I want to be done. This isn't where I'm meant to be. And you had that thought, like, am I too far in? And -hmm. some of that shame around that. Can you talk about that for us? Yes. I think a lot of people feel this pressure to stick to a certain career path because one, maybe their parents pressured them into it. They feel like society wants them to be in this job. They like the status of the job, but maybe at their core, they're like, this isn't meant for me. And I loved dentistry. I mean, on my mission trips, I truly loved being able to help people that are less fortunate than me and provide dental care. And I thought, how am I now going to find a job where I'm helping people? And so I realized that I will still be able to help people through a different path. And I didn't know what at the time, but I had to trust in God's plan for me and know that everything is going to work out how it should. And so I had to listen to the voice inside my head that for years I had self-doubt, is this the right career path for me? But I'd get past a milestone of, you know, organic chemistry. They said it was a weed out course. I was like, oh, if I am, if I do well in this course, or if I don't, maybe I'll change, but I did well in it. So I kept going. When I got into dental school, um, I was like, okay, well, I got in. That's another sign. When I got my roommates and I signed a lease, I was like, okay, another sign, like no turning around. And when I actually got to school and I loved school, I loved the learning and I loved everything about dental school. But to take a step back and say, do I want the career at the end of it? That was the hard question because I think going to dental school having four years where my life was planned. I liked that. And I thought it was stressful. The, maybe the, what my other classmates were doing on their job hunt. I liked the security of you're going to four years of school and then you'll be a dentist. And so I think a lot of people feel this pressure to stay in something because they think other people will think highly of them or they don't want to disappoint people. And that's what I felt when I was deciding to leave. Like, my parents, I was like, I'm letting you guys down. You guys were supporting me through this whole thing. And, you know, they, I'm really blessed to have such amazing, um, they're very just supportive parents in so many ways that they are like, you have to follow your path. And if dentistry you feel isn't a part of it, that's okay. And so I'm so thankful for them, but, you know, I just, I didn't have a plan when I left dental school and that was scary, but I just took a leap of faith and moved to Chicago, a city I love. And I was like, I'm going to find something. And I worked with a career coach and, you know, we really, we went back to my childhood and things that I loved as a kid. And I felt like my creative side was coming out more. And, you know, now I get to do that for my family business with helping them in the marketing and the buying aspect of the store. And, yeah, I'm just, I'm very grateful for my path, but I think a lot of people can stay in a certain job because they feel like it's too late to leave, but I think it's never too late. You know, you can 
decide to do something at any point in your life and it's never too late. I mean, there was actually someone in my dental school class who was in their 50s. They decided they wanted to be a dentist at that age. And that's, you know, that was maybe people thought in my class, maybe that was late for them, but, you know, that was the right timing for that person. So I think we're all on different paths and we shouldn't feel this pressure to stick with something just because we've put in so much work towards it. It's okay to change paths if we need to. So you've mentioned your family now quite a few times. I would say that's probably one of your biggest support systems, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So where, what else are you doing for support as you're kind of on this path now of growth? Yeah. You know, I have a great support system in my family business that I work for. I work for, um, as you said, Laura of Pembroke, and it's three generations of women leaders. You know, I work with my grandma who's 84 and she works six six days a week. And yeah, my aunt Laura and my cousin Lauren and working with family members who love and support you no matter what. And, but they also treat you like a coworker and they're very honest with me, but they're also, they validate me that what I'm doing is um, making a difference and helping the store. And that really helps me because I want to be doing something where I'm helping and helping people in some way. And I'm really helping my family business through with marketing through sales or certain things like that. But, you know, I really have found too a support system with friends. And I say, my dad jokes that the best thing I got out of dental school was my friend, Dana, because she, we both shared a roommate. Um, Her roommate in undergrad was one of my roommates in dental school. And when I moved to Chicago, that roommate connected us and Dana and I became friends. And she is just someone who I aspire to be like, and she is always pushing herself and She's just, she's the most selfless person I've ever met. And she cares so deeply and to have a friend who wants what's best for you and also wants to grow on a journey, like with you, like we're both very, we want to both like self-improving, like want to be growing, evolving and to have a person who having a friend your age, who's also 24, that is like that. That's been really helpful for me too. She's you know, the night before I did my first public speaking event, I did the speech for her and the confidence she gave me was amazing. And she, I felt that support from, you know, one of my close friends. And I think it's important to grow your community and your support system. It can be, you know, friends, family, and now I'm creating a community through church and I'm feeling really connected with people that I've met from there. And I think surrounding yourself with people that you want to be like, and that you maybe things about them that you're like, oh, I want to be more, I want to be more giving. I want to be more selfless, like things like that. I've surrounded myself with those people. You know, they say the five people, the closest people you surround yourself with that you become. And, you know, I'd love to become like my friend, Dana, but I'm Bella and I'm my, my own person. And so we, help each other and we help each other grow and we help each other when one's down and the other one's up. We are always there to help each other. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's an amazing, it's, I'm very blessed to have the support system I have in my family and my friends and 
just the community that I've created in Chicago. I'm very grateful. Yeah, I love that. You're so right. I mean, it's who you surround yourself with will definitely help you on that path and continue. So, so what's next for Bella? So what's next? You know, if you'd have asked me that years ago, I would have told you the exact like thing. I'd be married at this age, kids at this age, like this, this, and this, but you know, I'm trusting in the, you know, God's timing for me. And I think what's next for me is I just want to continue public speaking and continue helping other people be more self-aware, become more confident, maybe overcoming um, perfectionism. And I just want to be able to help people through my story. And I think there's many different aspects to my story that maybe um, it can relate to various um, different people. So I think what's next, I, I would just love to continue helping others through sharing my message and turning my mess into my message. Yes. I say that too. I love that. And I, I knew that's why we, like I said, we had to connect because there's so much power in that. And just even the part that you're sharing about um, perfectionism, you've been able to let go of, you know, those fears of having to show up this perfect way. And I think mm-hmm. there's so much power in that. Cause even the first time we talked, you had mentioned um, running towards your fear. And do you feel like that past version of you would have said that? No, I, my past self, I mean, I was so terrified of public speaking. It brought me to tears. I felt like I was going to throw up. And so I always felt deep down that I wanted to public speak in some way, but I was like, how am I ever going to do this? Like getting in front of my class in high school would make me cry. And so I think through leaving dental school and running towards my, the problems I was facing in my life, that really helped me become more confident to overcome my fears. And, you know, I think that run towards your fears and not away from them. That is like the main thing I'm doing right now. And, you know, I think also too, life is all about making 1% changes. You don't have to become, you don't have to change overnight and, you know, enjoying and celebrating the little wins, whether it is you had a good day where you went on a walk and you felt like in tune with nature and your surroundings, or whether, you know, you got a kind note from a friend, like remembering your wins and not feeling the pressure to change in a certain amount of time, you know, the 1%, like, you know, we can grow 1%, you know, each day. And that is something that I've been working on with my coach and, Yeah, I think just I'm very grateful for everything that has happened in this past year with me getting more involved in public speaking. But my younger self would have thought I was crazy. (laughs) I can relate to that as well. So is that your big comfort zone thing right now that you're running towards? Yes, but also, too, I've gotten more involved in tennis. You know, I grew up a very competitive tennis player, but I was always a singles player and I played number one singles all throughout high school and the pressure of being in tennis, you know, it's a solo sport and I put so much pressure on myself and something, and I would play off and on like since high school, but it really brought me a lot of anxiety. I would, someone would be like, Oh, you want to, do you want to play a set? 
and I wouldn't want to keep score because I was so afraid of losing. But now since I've moved to Chicago, I've gone back into tennis and I turned my love-hate relationship love-hate relationship with it into just love. And I'm playing just to have fun. And it's okay if I lose because I'm going to learn from that loss and I'm not putting that pressure on myself anymore. It's like getting back into something that I was so passionate about when I was younger, but it caused a lot of stress and now taking the stress out of it. And I've made friends through it. It's just been, um, life just feels really full right now. And I feel really empowering when I'm playing tennis and when I, I don't know, I think it's just funny. I would come out of tennis lessons when I was younger, crying with my younger brother. If one of us won and the other one lost, we would always, someone would leave crying. And so now that I can play and just fully be me and have fun and meet new people and not put that pressure, you know, I'm on three tennis USTA teams right now, but I, you know, and there is a winner and there is a loser in a match, but I, I'm like, it's okay. Cause I'll, I'll learn from that and get better the next time. So I think learning or bringing things into your life that comfort you and is a important thing for me. And it's important for a lot of people to do and to recognize what soothes you and makes you calm, whether that's people, whether that's like a smell for me, that's lavender. Um, but yeah, just things recognizing what makes you happy and something new that I've done is bringing tennis back into my life. So is there any other practices you've adopted into your life um, to help with anxiety? Yes, I do meditation. I do transcendental meditation that has really helped me. I also do, I, I do a lot of breath work where I, you know, you breathe in for four seconds, hold for four seconds and breathe out for four seconds. That's something that when I feel an anxiety attack coming on, it goes back mm -hmm. to my breathing. And that is something I practice. And also journaling, you know, getting out my thoughts on a piece of paper and letting things out. And sometimes that's led to tears on the page, but that's okay. And, you know, I think something really that helps me is the self-affirmations and saying constantly, I'm worthy, I'm strong, I'm empowering all those words, putting those positive words out there, just, it makes a difference. And so those are things I do right now. I do, you know, aromatherapy. I, I always have lavender around. Um, you know, I put on some lavender on my hands, like before we recorded, I, I think that helps with my anxiety. It helps soothe me. Um, getting fresh air, going on like a walk, like getting out of my place just to, you know, get some fresh air that, that helps me too. But there's been, there's many things that I think have helped with my anxiety that I've learned in different situations. It'll help with one situation as opposed to another. So, um, but yeah. So do you have any like morning or night routines that have kind of helped in this as well? So I have what's called the five minute journal where I don't know if you've heard of it, but you're supposed to write in it um, in the morning at night. And in the morning, you write down three things you're grateful for and three things that um, you hope or three things that would make today great. And then at night, you write down three amazing things that happened that day. And 
um, you write down affirmations about yourself, and then you also write down ways to improve. How could you improve the day? That's something that I go through phases of, I'll go, you know, a few weeks in a row writing in it. And I go back and forth from writing in it. But when I'm writing down every morning, what I'm grateful for, and at night, what was great about my day, that's something that helps my mental health. And I think learning ways to improve um, or help your mental health is very important, especially today's World Mental Health Day. So it's, a, you know, it's important to find those ways and to be able to support yourself. Oh, absolutely. I'm big on journaling and meditating in the box breathing you were talking about. Totally agree. And when you're busy and then that anxiety sets in, it's like giving yourself that minute to breathe. Mm-hmm. You can just feel it in your whole body. So I love that you shared that. Um, so Bella, I appreciate you so much for coming and talking with us today. Is there anything else that you want our listeners to be left with? I would just like everyone to know that where you are in your life, if you're not feeling like you're at the right place, that it is okay. It is just a season of your life and things, if you're in a dark place, things will get better to pray about what you want and to know that it's okay to ask for help. Do not be afraid to ask for help. And um, just know that you are, you know, perfect the way that you are. And there's nothing that, you know, you should just be so proud of where you are and where you've come and be excited for what's to come. Well, Bella, I can't wait to see what you do next. And I appreciate you so much Uh, to our listeners. As always, stay cheeky.